it's easy to it's easy to become overwhelmed by everything that's going on in our world today, isn't it? I mean, we look around and we see pain, we see sin, we see terrorism, and we get overwhelmed. One of the things I think that people consistently wonder about times of difficulty is what can we do? When we look around and we take stock, it's easy to dig down into our own political trenches because that gives us a sense of control. It gives us a sense of understanding, perhaps. It's easy to give way to fear. We don't know what to do, and so we just maybe want to run away to the mountains. I've had lots of those moments. It's easy to give way to fleshly anger. We see things that we should be righteously angry about, but because we don't really know what to do, that righteous anger very quickly turns into bitterness or flesh-filled anger. And I think in Christian circles, there's a temptation to kind of circle the wagon, circle the wagons together. We're just going to go on defense, and we're just going to kind of hunker down until Jesus returns. After all, what can we do? But the answer to the question of what can we do is missions. And what we're going to see this morning is that missions is for worship. I'd encourage you to grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 this morning. Uh, I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then I'm going to make a few thoughts from it. I'll be a little bit shorter than typical this morning, because we do have some exciting things to announce. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to share a few thoughts and really share my heart for missions from Psalm 96. So I'm going to go ahead and read the psalm, then we'll pray, and we'll work through it briefly. The Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the people fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your spirit would anoint your word this morning. And I pray as we consider this psalm and as we consider uh, the global need, as we consider what we as a church can do, I pray that we would not be overwhelmed by all the hurt and all the suffering and all the pain that we see in our world. But Father, that we would realize you have told us what we can do. And I pray that we would be motivated and moved to advance your kingdom and to declare your glory and to declare your greatness to all the earth. We ask this in your name. Amen. One of the reasons I love this song is it is a continual call to worship. We just read it, but let me highlight a few phrases 
in this psalm again. It says to sing a new song. It says to let the whole earth sing. It says to sing to the Lord. It says to proclaim his salvation, to declare his glory. It says to declare his wondrous works, to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, to bring him offerings, to worship him, to be glad and rejoice and shout for joy. I love that we get to do that together as a family here every week on Sunday morning. And I love this psalm because it gives us an all-consuming, passionate picture of the worship that we are given to and called to. This is not a tame, silent, hands kind of held worship. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a place to be silent before the Lord. But the picture that we are given here in Psalm 96 is white-hot worship. This psalm paints a high view of God, and the result is the all-encompassing praise of his people. God is too great to be silent about. God is too big and too large. He's so big and so large and so majestic in the eye of the psalmist that he just, the whole earth needs to get in on praising God. He's calling the entire earth to praise him and to declare his goodness. You see, the majesty of God demands the worship of all of creation. God is so magnificent, the psalmist says, that we need to tell everyone about his greatness. We need to tell everyone about his goodness. We need to tell everyone about his wondrous works. The psalmist says, tell all the peoples of the earth that their idols are worthless, but that God is everything. See, God is so much greater than any other God, any other people, or any, any of us could even conjure up. Tell all the nations that God is truly reigning. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Because God has firmly established the earth. And because God has firmly established the earth, we can boldly proclaim his goodness. But the psalm also gives a warning. Verse 13 tells us that the Lord is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the entire world, yes, but this psalm also tells us that he's going to judge all people groups according to his righteousness and his fairness. And so what we do, because he is one day coming, we go to them and we call them into worship with us. We go to every nation, every people, every group, and we proclaim the goodness of God. We call them into worship. We go to every nation and people group so that they can hear about the magnificence of God. The majesty of God demands the worship of all of creation. This is what drives our missions. We don't have to throw our hands up and be overwhelmed when we see everything. As Christians, as believers, we know we have the answer, and the answer is Jesus. And so instead of circling the wagons, we can move full steam ahead for the glory of God. God has made you. God has made me. God has made us for a global purpose. God has called us to go to every nation. God has called us to go tell every people group. God has called us and told us to go everywhere, proclaiming the goodness of his name. That's why he says in Mark 16, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Everywhere we go as believers, we are to proclaim the goodness of God. This is because the glory of God is worthy of being worshipped by all of creation. This global call should not exhaust us, but exhilarate us. 
It should not overwhelm us, but it should excite us because we realize we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, leading us, empowering us, and calling us to declare His goodness, to declare His majesty, to advance His kingdom throughout all the earth. J. Campbell White was the first uh, secretary of the Layman's Missionary Movement in the early 1900s. Uh, the Layman's Missionary Movement was birthed out of the New York Haystack Prayer Meeting. Perhaps you've heard of that revival before. This missions organization was birthed out of that, and what they would do is they would just go to local churches, and they would help with foreign missions. And J. Campbell White, their first secretary, he said this. He said, most men are not satisfied with the permanent output of their lives. Nothing can wholly satisfy the life of Christ within his followers except the adoption of Christ's purpose towards the world he came to redeem. Fame, pleasure, and riches are but husks and ashes in contrast with the boundless and abiding joy of working with God for the fulfillment of his eternal plans. The men who are putting everything into Christ's undertaking are getting out of life its sweetest and most priceless rewards. God has made us for a global purpose. And I just want to say, you can do that at your place of employment. You can do that here in Fresno. You were created to do more than just sit around and worry about what's going to happen to your circle. You were created for more than just to show up here on a Sunday morning, although I'm really glad you did. <laughs> you were created to co-labor with God to advance His kingdom. Let the, let, let the mind-boggling reality of that just sit with you for a minute. God created you. God saved you, Ephesians says, for good works to co-labor with Him to advance His kingdom. God has created you for worship and to call all peoples into that worship. Towards the end of the service this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer to pray for our missions. And I would encourage you, just pray and ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to partner with you to advance your kingdom? I would encourage our young people here, if you're still figuring out, what do, what do I want to do with my life? I would encourage you to pray about, God, do you want me to go into missions? Are you calling me to surrender full-time into missions? Now, God does not call all of us to go, to be a foreign missionary. But he is calling all of us to be a part in declaring his glory among the nations. Right. You can be a missionary in Timbuktu, or you can be a missionary here in Fresno. Without a doubt, we can all pray. Many of us can financially give. And we're going to be talking a little more about that this morning than typically. So I just want to say, if you can't this morning, if you're sitting here and you're in a place where you're like, Pastor Nick, look, I get we're called to give, but I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills this week. Like, I get that. That's okay. I would encourage you to see our deacons. We as a church, we want to help you. We want to help meet that need. But for those of us that can financially give, I'm going to call us to be radically generous in this thing of missions because even if we can't go, if God has blessed us to where we can give, we should give so that the kingdom of God can advance and go forward. Perhaps God has blessed you financially in some extraordinary ways, and you can have a larger part in financially supporting those who are going. All of us can be a part in declaring His glory right here where we live. I mean, think about all the different people groups that are here in Fresno alone. You don't have to go far to reach all peoples. A lot of them are right here. Missions is for worship.
Worship fuels our missions. Let's be a church that is exhilarated about declaring his greatness to all the nations. Let's be a church that's radically generous in supporting those who go to the nations. And let's be a church that gets down on our knees and intercedes for the sake of all people. Well, I'm excited to announce today that God has been opening doors for one couple in our church to become part-time missionaries by partnering with Medical Missions Outreach. Uh, Gabe and Katie have been part of our church for well over 13 years. Uh, of course, last year they just recently joined in formal membership. And I'm excited to see what God does through them as they take this step of faith in becoming part-time missionaries with Medical Missions Outreach. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite Gage up to the stage. Uh, he's going to share some from God's Word for, uh, for us this morning. And then he's going to present this new ministry that God is calling them to. Uh, they're going to be raising support. So I'd encourage you to pray about how you might be involved in supporting them. Uh, Gabe's going to talk about that in a minute when he comes. Um, so I'll let him talk about that. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Um, but we also are really familiar with Medical Missions Outreach. If you've been here uh, at our church for any length of time, we've partnered with them on several mission trips throughout the years. Uh, we're actually going to be partnering again with them in October on a mission trip. We're going to be talking more about that as well. Uh, but before Gabe comes, what I wanted to do was to show a video from Medical Missions Outreach. Uh, they have put together this, it's about a five minute informational video that I think will really help you catch the heartbeat behind what they do. It'll help you get a heartbeat for what Gabe and Katie are going to be partnering with them to do and about their new ministry. So let's watch that video and then Gabe, Gabe will come up and present. I'm so excited to be here this morning. This, this is a presentation that has been months, if not years, in the making, and one that uh, hopefully will bear dividends over the years and even decades in the future. But before we do anything else, before we present it anywhere else, we wanted to start with our home church. We wanted to start by presenting what God's calling us to, to you guys. And I'm so excited to be able to do that this morning. As I've been thinking about sharing this new ministry that God's calling Katie and I to, it keeps coming back, well, it keeps coming back to food. If you know me, you know I love food. Sometimes loving food can be dangerous. Uh, I can think of one meal in particular on our very first medical missions outreach trip to the country of the Ivory Coast in West Africa. Uh, Hunter was sitting right across the table from me at this particular meal. And I, I know from talking to him this week, he remembers this meal too. Uh, all that trip, we've been eating this, this spicy green sauce. Uh, it was delicious. We had it on fish. We had it on chicken. Uh, it was wonderful. It was so delicious that at this meal, uh, towards the end of the trip, I asked for extra green sauce. I should have taken a warning from the shocked look that the server gave me. But she beautifully, if very cautiously, let me an extra serving of green sauce. And let me tell you, green sauce was nuclear. Like, I love spicy food. This was beyond the pale. Like, kick you in the tonsils, clear your sinuses, sweating from every pore, eye-watering nuclear green sauce. But it was also really delicious, uh, which is why I kept eating it. Um, and about halfway into eating it, I realized that not only was I turning as red as a tomato and pouring, pouring sweat and everything else from every pore of my body, my heart was also racing, like I was running a marathon. 
uh, or even sprinting a marathon. It's not something I've ever done, but I, I have to imagine it, it felt like that. And in the, in the, in the haze induced by nuclear green sauce, I don't remember whether I gave up first or whether Hunter gave up first, but that green sauce beat both of us that day. And the next day, if you catch my meaning. <laughs> but, but food, food is such an integral part of the human experience. It, it's not just the food itself, right? It's not just eating and nourishment. It's the whole experience of hospitality. It, it's sharing life-sustaining food among friends. There's little I love more than gathering for a feast with friends. We celebrate God's goodness not just in the nourishment and the food, but also in the fellowship that we share. And it turns out, I'm not alone in this. In fact, the tradition of sharing a meal is deeply ingrained in all of human culture. In biblical times, in the ancient Near East, uh, that tradition was established by what they called a covenant of salt. Basically, the idea was, if you ate salt with somebody, you sat down at a table and you ate salt together, you actually created a legally binding covenant, a relationship with that person. Now, I hear you say, wait a second, isn't salt in everything? And the answer is yes. So you have to be incredibly careful in these cultures who you shared your table with, because if you accidentally sat down at a table with your enemy and ate salt, you just created a legally binding covenant with your enemy, and you could find yourself in a real jam. And with that as the backdrop, I want to say that it's really not surprising that the word that we use to describe our relationship to each other really comes from the idea of sharing a meal. We call that relationship communion. That, that word has multiple meanings, but the one that probably first comes immediately to mind for us is, is the meal, the bread and the cup that we share as believers. It's the communion service that we celebrate together as a church. That communion service itself, the, the ordinances and the sacraments that we celebrate together, comes from the Last Supper between Jesus and his disciples, just before the crucifixion. At that Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples shared a Jewish feast called Passover. Passover commemorated the exodus of the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt. It celebrated God's miraculous salvation for the people of Israel, powerfully redeeming them from the bondage that they had been in physically. In this feast of celebration, this feast of Passover, Jewish families would sacrifice a lamb, and then they would eat that lamb roasted with fire, with herbs, as they gathered together with unleavened bread to remember what God had done in that Passover. What I'd like to do this morning is read the account of that Last Supper in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, if you want to turn there, chapter 22 and verse 14. We'll join the narrative as Jesus and his disciples gather in the upper room to celebrate an intimate feast celebrating Passover. Luke, chapter 22, verse 14, and we'll read down through verse 30. Luke 22, 14. And when the hour was come... He, that is Jesus, sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks, and said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it 
and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it was that should do this thing. Verse 24. And there was also a strife among them. This is the disciples. There was a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is it not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as him that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel. This example, this, this metaphor of joining together for a feast to commemorate and remember Jesus as the sacrificial lamb forms the basis of our communion as a church. As we commune with Jesus, as we partake of his body and his blood, we become one body of believers. Look at what the apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This will be up on the screens. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The apostle Paul says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. The word that the Apostle Paul used there for communion is a Greek word you may have heard of. It's koinonia. We use that word to talk about the fellowship that we share as believers. And as a result, the word communion means far more than just the service itself. In fact, if you, if you Google the word communion, Google works with Oxford English Dictionary, and if you Google it, Oxford English Dictionary pops up with three definitions. The first one we've talked about, that's the service of Christian worship, at which bread and wine are consecrated and served. That's only the beginning. The second one is the sharing or exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings. The third one is a relationship of recognition and acceptance between Christian churches. Look, look at how all three of these work together. Because of the communion we celebrate in Christ, because we join together in the sharing of the bread and the cup, that's what gives us the ability to, to share koinonia, our intimate thoughts and fellowship with one another. And it's also what allows us to accept each other as fellow members of this same body of Christ. Those of you that have been around Fresno Church for a while know that I've done quite a bit of work ministering through persecuted, to persecuted Christians in, in the global church. And through my work with an organization called Remember, I've been able to travel to places like Burma, Iraq, and Sudan uh, to take care of widows and orphans, primarily of Christian martyrs. Let me tell you, nowhere is the importance of communion 
more obvious than when you're sitting in a church with oppressed and suffering believers in underground churches sharing the sacraments together. There's nothing quite like sitting with the pastors of, say, illegal underground house churches in China. We can't talk together. I don't speak their language. They don't speak mine. Our cultural backgrounds could literally not be more different than each other's. But as we share that, that bread, as we share that cup, we experience intimate communion. We intimately share our thoughts and feelings together. We accept each other as fellow believers in the body of Christ. And I vividly remember one communion service in particular in, at a church in the Middle East country of Jordan. As I took that, that little cup right from the communion tray, it was immediately apparent to me that this particular church, whether for financial reasons or whatever else, reused their cups. It was also very apparent from looking at that cup that they didn't wash them particularly well in between uses. And I'm not much of a germaphobe, generally speaking, but as I looked at that cup, I thought, this, <laughs> this might kill me. Uh, I, I don't know how this is going to work. And I remember sitting there looking at this, going, do, do, I, do, I, do, I, do I take communion? Like, what do, I, what do I do with this right now? And I remember feeling this sort of sense of shame at, at my fears in that moment, like looking at this dirty cup, wondering what was going to happen to me. As I sat with believers who were experiencing vast persecution for their faith, right? Virtually everyone in that building with me had lost a loved one to persecution. Many of them had gone to prison. Many of them that I talked to on that trip had experienced torture like you wouldn't believe because they were Christians. And here I am, sitting, being scared of, of drinking out of a dirty communion cup. But as I drank and survived that communion, I experienced an intimacy with the fellow body of Christ that I, I really never felt before. Again, I, I couldn't talk to them. They didn't speak English. I didn't speak Arabic. Our languages, our backgrounds were different. But in that moment, we were all members of the same body, the body of Christ. You know, this discussion, you've probably, you've probably picked up on the road, really, really piggybacks on the last few weeks of sermons that we've had here at Fresno Church. As Pastor Nick has gone through a detailed discussion of what it means to be a member of the local church, it's been a reminder to me of why believers are called to serve. We're called to serve because we're, we're, bigger, we're, we're members of something that's bigger than us, right? We're members of this local church, right? Sharing fellowship in this local body. But even beyond that, this local church is part of a global body of Christ. Though we have many parts, though, though we're scattered as the body of Christ all over the globe, we're one body. Communing together in that one singular body. And as the disciples learned right at the end of that first communion in Luke chapter 22, we're, we're called as a body not to exist to be the greatest. We're called to serve one another sacrificially. And that is at least one reason why Katie and I are so excited to be joining Medical Missions Outreach. As you saw from the video, Medical Missions Outreach is an organization that's, that's quite literally built on the idea of the body of Christ communing together as one body. Medical Missions Outreach, I'll call MMO, sends out short-term missions teams to provide clinics in conjunction with local churches. So at its core, it's one part of the body of Christ working with another for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. And then we'll bring some, together something that we can offer here as the church in the United States, say medical, dental, or optical teams, 
And it combines that with the work that local churches are doing. Long-term, impactful church planning work overseas and around the world. That's the model. And the most teams coordinate with the local church. They provide free clinics to help meet physical needs, to draw people in, to show them that there is a healer. And after those physical needs are met, after medicines and vitamins and eyeglasses have been handed out, that patient sits down one-on-one -on -one with a local Christian from the local church to hear the gospel in their own heart language. The power of this combination, it's amazing. I've had a chance to see it firsthand. Many of you have traveled on MMO trips, sitting in this room right now, you've seen it firsthand too. Our short-term team can provide something incredibly valuable. It provides a clinic. But if that's all it was, the impact would be, at very best, incredibly short-term, right? It would be a flash in the pan. We'd be in, we'd be out, we'd be gone. But the local church there and partnering with them provides the remaining piece necessary for long-term and lasting impact. They follow up with those who have been presented the gospel. They disciple the new believers. They give them ministry opportunities so that they can mature together. And what a powerful combination, what a picture of, of the communion of the body of Christ. Katie and I have done a number of, of trips with Medical Missions Outreach already. And from the very first trip, we've loved the work that MMO has done. But after the last trip we took with MMO last July, uh, MMO's leadership reached out to us and asked us to consider doing more than just coming on an occasional trip. After praying about it and, and seeking God's direction, we accepted it uh, with a great deal of excitement and a whole lot of fear. Uh, the offer to join MMO's staff as associate missionaries. I think it's our technical title. Basically, we're part-timers. Specifically, we're going to lead optical clinics. Uh, they've become capped out. The, the, uh, the, the team that they have in place right now cannot meet the need for the optical clinics that are out there, so they've asked us to come and help them do more optical clinics. Our time commitment right now is to do four to six trips each year. We're registered for three this year as we get started, as we ramp up into next year, and hopefully next year will be four to six. And our, our hope, our prayer, is that we can help MMO partner with local churches to have a lasting impact all over the world. So we'll still be living here in Fresno. We'll still be practicing law full time. So this uh, commitment is one that we make, well, it's a great deal of fear, and I hope a great deal of faith. It'll be a huge time commitment for us. It'll also be a huge financial commitment. But we, we know it's where God wants us, and we really couldn't be more excited. Uh, as things stand right now, uh, in addition to the fundraising we need to do in the upcoming months, we're scheduled to go on three trips. So we're going to go to the Philippines. We're going to go to Honduras. We're going to go to the country of Guyana, which we'll tell, be telling you about more yeah, here in a couple minutes. And this is all really, really new. Uh, it's so new, in fact, that we don't even have, you know, like a nice snazzy display to put on a table in the back yet. Uh, they're working on that. They're going to get us that. But, but we wanted to share this with you guys as soon as we could. Because uh, there's really, well, there's really no ministry for Katie and I without the support of Fresno Church, if I can put it that way. As, as our sending church, your support and partnership, your love and support, it's a critical part of our, of our sending. In the same way that I think MMO's work is a picture of the communion of the body of Christ, having you as our sending church is a picture of that communion as the body of Christ. And, and put quite simply, we can't and don't want to do this without your support. We just can't do it ourselves. So to that end, if you would be so kind, I have three requests for you as our church family. First off, Pastor Nick already mentioned it. Would you pray for us? 
And it sounds like a throwaway, it sounds like such a cliche, and, and it's not. It, it's literally the most important thing you could do for us, and we could not be more grateful for your prayer support. Specifically, if I could, I have, I have three requests. First off, Katie and I need a great deal of God's guidance and wisdom to put all these details together. Uh, we're getting ready to lead an optical clinic. Our first time leading a trip is going to be in May. We've been on these trips before. We've never led them. We're, we're, we're a bit scared, right? Who knows what could come up. And you could pray that God would give us the wisdom and the guidance to put together all the pieces before we go and then on these trips, and that'd be number one. Second part of the would be for financial support. We're in the beginning stages of raising support. And we've been blessed with our jobs to have all that we need to support our own, our own living expenses. And we're not going to be raising support for those as part-time missionaries. But as we go on trips, as we need supplies and equipment, uh, we need to raise the support for those. We need to pay the cost of those trips. We need to pay for supplies. We need to pay for equipment. And that's what we're on the front end of doing. If you pray for that, I would be very, very grateful. Third thing I'd ask for your prayers for is travel and mercies. International travel was complicated before COVID. It's really complicated now. Uh, so if you would pray for traveling mercies as we prepare, as we work with other countries' governments, as we work with our own country's government, if you would pray that all those pieces would fall together and we would be able to go and be able to minister, we would greatly appreciate it. So those are some prayer requests. The second request I have for you is would you consider financially partnering with us on this trip? on this ministry. We're beginning to build a support team, Katie and I are, and, and it's, it, support team is far more than just finances. Really, it starts with prayer. But if you would be willing to take the step further than that, we would, we would greatly appreciate it. Pastor Nick has already and graciously put up a link on the Fresno Church Tidely where you can begin to support us if you're so inclined. But before you do, we would love to sit down with you. I mean, maybe this goes back to my love of food, right? But if you're interested in financially supporting us, please reach out to me. We would love to have you over for dinner or at very least go out and do coffee and talk to you about this ministry, talk to you how you could be a financial member of our support team. My contact information will be up in a few minutes. Uh, if you are interested, please let us know. We'd love to get you on the calendar to come talk to us, come to dinner. We'll share a meal. We'll enter into a salt covenant. We'll talk about financial support. Third thing you can do, come on a trip. These are short-term missions trips pulled from believers all across the United States. Many of them are medical experts, nurses, doctors go on these trips, but man, in good news for me, and good news for Katie, you do not have to be a doctor or a medical professional to go on these trips and serve. Even before Katie and I were jumping into this sort of head first, uh, we've been doing medical missions trips uh, through Medical Missions Outreach, partnering with Fresno Church for years. This year's trip will be to South America to the country of Guyana in October. We'll be working with the optical team on that trip. We'll be providing eyeglasses to people who need it and eye exams. Good news, don't have to be a medical professional, right? You can get all the training you need on that trip and in the weeks leading up to it to be able to sit down with somebody, go through their glasses options, find the glasses that help them see best physically, and then send them to a member of the local church where they can be told how to see clearly spiritually. Katie and I are very excited to be planning to go on this trip. Pastor Nick is joining us as well. And we need more people. Uh, the dates for the trip is October 20th through the 29th. If you pull out your calendars and start looking at whether you're, whether you're free, I'm not offended. Fresno Church has reserved eight spots on that trip. And I would love it if we could fill up all eight of those. 
Um, I'm gonna ask Pastor Nick to come back up if he doesn't mind. We'll talk through some details about that trip, and as we talk about those details, I'll mention my contact information is up on the screen. Uh, if you have any questions about any of this, wanna come over for dinner and talk about it, let's do that. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. I would absolutely love 